We're going to jump into Ephesians this morning. Anybody enjoy last week? Y'all excited for this Rooted series? I am too. I mean, this, this word has been really, I mean, this boy is tearing my soul up, God. I'm excited about it, but it's been, it's been good. So today we're going to be Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the table right outside. And as I said last week, I want you to have a Bible when we come to church. We use the ESV here. You can use what you have, but that's what we're going to use. And the reason I say that is because we're going to walk through this text, and we're going to go verse by verse, line by line, word by word. We're going to break this thing down, and as I said last week, we're going to kind of milk the text dry. It's going to wring it dry. And so, so that's what we're going to do today. So we're going to walk through this. I want you to have a Bible so you can journal in it. You can underline things. You can walk through it. And part of this is we're learning to read and observe the Word of God and see what it says about Him first. Then through that, we learn about ourselves. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. If you got it, I want you to stand to your feet if you're able to, as we read the word of God. If you got it, go ahead and say, got it. Starting in verse 1, the text reads, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, To the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ." as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. The very words of God, amen. Today, I want to preach on the topic, his sovereign plan. Everybody say that, his sovereign plan. His sovereign plan. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for your word. And God, I pray simply right now that you hide me behind your cross, that you decrease me so that you may increase in this place. God, let your folks hear from you and not from me. Have your way, Lord Jesus. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together. Amen, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, Martin Luther King had a dream. We've all heard of I Have a Dream speech. One of his most famous speeches where he stood at the feet or the foot of the Lincoln Memorial, the Lincoln, President Lincoln, the one who wrote the Emancipation Proclamation that freed the slaves. See, MLK, he stands there at the steps of this Lincoln Memorial and he gives a speech to some 250,000 people and probably millions more who are listening on their radio or or watching the TV if they were privileged privileged enough to have one. They're, They're watching and they're listening to this speech given by Martin Luther King. See, this would 
would be a moment in most people's minds that would mark the civil rights moment. This would be the defining moment for a lot of people of the civil rights movement. See, each stand there at the, the footsteps of this Lincoln monument, this, this, this memorial, and, and he would call for an end to racism. Beginning by saying it's been about 100 years since the Emancipation Proclamation, and hear me, the Negro is still not free. See, throughout his speech, he, he would point to documents such as the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution saying that there's a promise made that all men are created equal, including black people, but America has not held tightly to those words. So, so all throughout his message, he speaks of this dream. He speaks of a dream to see racial equality throughout the nation. He gives people hope in a time of need. See, Martin Luther King intentionally engaged himself in a battle or a fight that most black people at the time would not have dared to jump into. And they wouldn't have jumped in because of the countless lynchings and the, and the brutality and the violence that was done towards them on behalf of white people. See, see they, they didn't jump into this, but MLK, along with many others, he stood up when nobody else would. And see, although we have not made it to the so-called promised land, as he likes to say, we're a lot better off than where we were because of him and others. Now, they went through the marches. They went through sit-ins, lynchings, being sprayed with water hoses, bit by dogs, locked in jail for no reason, just for racial equality, standing up for their civil rights. Who knows where we would be today if it had not been for the likes of Martin Luther King and others who went before us and fought this fight? Friends, hear me. Hear me. This is very important. This is very important because you and I in here, we need to understand this because we are the fruit of the many who labored before us. You see, what we get to partake in here on, on Sunday morning, just take around. Look, look around for a minute. Just look around. Well, we get to partake in here on Sunday morning at Renewal Church of Chicago where black, white, Asian, Hispanic people are coming together and we're worshiping God all together. This didn't happen 50 years ago. Not even 50. Let's go 20 years ago. This didn't even happen. It still doesn't happen today. Let's do that. It doesn't happen today. I mean, this does not happen. I mean, MLK fought so hard, and, and, and sadly, family, Sunday, this 11 o'clock hour is still the most divided hour of the week. See, friends, MLK and others went through all that they went through in hopes to see a day that this dream would come true and, and equality would be, would be achieved and, and we'd be able to live life together. And, friends, although we haven't made it to where we want to get to, Look, look, we're getting to taste a little bit of that dream right here at Renewal. Just a little bit. And friends, the reason I'm talking about MLK this morning and this dream is, is that as we jump into Ephesians this morning, as we jump into the text, we're going to see that, that God, too, went way out of his way for us when he did not have to, doing all this work on our behalf through Jesus, when he didn't have to do it, since the beginning of time. He's done it since the beginning of time for his glory and for our good. See, he too went through a lot, of, a lot for our sakes. 
And my hope today, my hope is that as we continue in this series, as we walk through this rooted series and we look at our word, is that you will see that being rooted in Christ, hear me, is an awesome thing. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing, but it's not only an awesome thing, it's also a sovereignly planned out vision from God. Okay, it's a sovereignly planned out vision from God. Don't miss that. And I'm going to keep coming back to that as we walk through our passage today. See, it's going to seem like as we walk through this word, as I say, we're going to wring it dry. It's going to seem like we're about to, we're going through a whole lot. But there's really one thing I want you to take away today is that God went through a lot of trouble sending Jesus to die to save you and I. And he pre-planned it. From the beginning of time. He didn't just wake up and say, I'm going to send Jesus. He's, no, no, no. He's planned this. He had us on his mind when he was shaping and forming the world. So I want you to have that on your minds and in your hearts as we walk through everything we talk about today. All right? Good? So let's jump in. Now to begin, just a bit of context and a little bit of a reminder of where we came from last week and what we walked through last week when we started with our Rooted series. If you missed last week, go online, check it out. It's going to help you and give you some context and history about Ephesus and where we're going today and the rest of our series. So jump online. We're going to be in it for a while, so you're not going to miss much. See, Ephesus, just as a reminder, was the epicenter of worship of the Greek gods during this time, so especially the goddess Artemis. Artemis was the goddess of, uh, of virginity and, and hunt or, or wildlife and, and hunting. She cared about young girls, and so people worshipped her. Now remember, Ephesus was this very diverse place. It's a port city off the west coast of Asia where people were coming to this place from all over the place. It's kind of like Chicago. You had all different types of folks coming to this city, and it was a gateway to the all of Asia. So people came there, and they spread throughout Asia. Hence, he's going there to share the gospel, and it spreads throughout Asia. See, Paul is spending, he spends at least two years there starting in Ephesus, and as he's preaching, people are getting it, and the message is going throughout the land. People are coming to know Jesus left and right. Churches are starting. This is happening all over the place. But because of the amount of diversity and all the new believers, they're getting caught up in all this other worship and other things that are coming their way. And Paul sits down in a jail cell and he pins this letter to the church of Ephesus from, from this cell where he's about to die. He's, he's pinning these last words to them and he keeps it very simple and plain because it's this diverse group of people. So he writes in the first three chapters about God's masterful plan from the beginning of time to reconcile all things to himself through Jesus. See, it's the fact that, hear me, believers not only should be rooted in Jesus, but it's God's plan. It's part of his plan for believers to already be rooted in him. So, so we're rooted in him because it's his plan, not because we should be. So it's not should you, you should, should do this. It's because God already planned for us to be rooted in and through Jesus. But as you get into the second half, it talks about now we're living those same roots out. So we know our roots, where we're rooted in Jesus as believers. Now we live those roots out, and, and it talks about in chapters 4 through 6 how we conduct our everyday life, how life should live, and, and how we should live in this world. Again, that's why the series is titled Rooted. We're rooted in him, and now we live those roots out. Now... My desire, again, as I said last week, is that everyone that steps foot here in renewal, as we step foot in here, is that you would understand how much God 
loves you. You understand how much he loves you and what Jesus has done where now that truth dictates and drives everything you do in your life. And because of that, the world around you and communities and cities are different and better because Jesus is using you. So we want you to be rooted. And in our passage today, it begins with Paul's greeting. Look at the passage. I love it. It begins with this greeting where in it, I really believe it points to what I've been talking about already. And it really sets the tone for the book. Look at the words he uses. Look at verse 1. He, he begins with Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. You see, he, he, apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. See, Paul sets the tone for the letter right off the back, not attributing credit to himself, but he's attributing credit to God. He's giving glory to God, which again helps set up the rest of the passage and the tone of where we're going. See, you sort of get this feeling by just the greeting that Paul is about to talk about God, right? You see that? He's going to talk about God. I mean, just in the greeting, look at what he says. He says, an apostle of Christ Jesus, look at it, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from our Father, that's God, and Lord Jesus Christ. This is just the beginning, Again, immediately he points to this theme of us being rooted in Christ Jesus where we have brought nothing to the table, but yet God loved us enough to give everything up, give his son up so that we could be reconciled through him to God. And again, this is important to understand because it's the opposite of what the world says to you. It's the opposite of what happens outside these doors. See, the world says, you go do for me, do for me, and then I'll do for you maybe. Because it doesn't always happen that way. You work real hard outside these doors, and and you might not get what you think you deserve. You see, we take that type of attitude. If you remember from last week, I talked about that. And and we get upset, and we're very miserable people because at the end of the day, we thought that we should get something. And what's really happening when we didn't get it, and we're upset and miserable because our rights weren't served. We worked so hard for something. I deserve that, and so I have the right to it. I should have it. I deserve it. It's mine. And see, that idea, that that ideology does not work with a holy God. It doesn't work when we approach a holy God. You don't come to him saying, I've done all this good, so therefore I deserve what you should, I deserve all of these blessings because I did all of this. Yeah, I believe in you, God, so I could do this. I can do all these things outside of marriage. I can do, I can drink as much as I want. I can do this because you're going to forgive me. You see, it's my right. I deserve it. And family, look, look, that's not how the gospel works. That's not how God works. I mean, hear me. We don't have any rights when it comes to God. The only right we have is the right to death. Which is, that's because of our sin. The wages of sin is death. And you may be sitting there saying, well, Pastor D, that sounds so harsh. That sounds so harsh. But here's the thing. Here's what we don't pay attention to in the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what we don't pay attention to. We don't pay attention to the sovereign part in the gospel. We don't pay attention to the fact that God knew that we were going to be sinful. We don't pay attention to the fact that he knew that we were going to be a mess. 
He knew that we were going to mess up and, and fall short of the glory of God. And so what he does, is he says, okay, I know they're going to mess up, so, so I'm going to create Jesus. I'm going to send him soon, the sinless, sacrificial lamb that's going to take away the sins of the world. And, and through us knowing what he's done for us and believing in him, yo, we could have life. We're saved by grace. It, it, it doesn't have anything to do with our works. Friends, here's the thing. The, the, the sovereign part is that Jesus has done all the work. We just have to believe. Again, we that believe work from approval, not for approval. He, he, he says, I love you. You're worth it. So I'm going to die for you. We're working from approval. We're saved by grace. Amen, somebody. Don't miss it. See, this all helps segue into where we're going in the rest of our passage because we are going to focus on what God has done and pre-planned on our behalf since the beginning of time. Now, family, you got to pay attention with me. Pay attention to the language that Paul uses here in verses 3 through 10. The same trend or flow occurs of pointing all things back to God the Father. Again, pointing back to the fact that salvation has nothing to do with our works. Doesn't have anything to do with what we bring to the table. And at this point, he's really not talking about what Jesus did. He's talking about what God the Father has done, how he's loved us, how he's cared for his creation. Do not miss this. See, too many times we look at God as this big God who's so out of touch, he's vindictive, he's mean, he's out to get me. And that is not true. We gotta pay attention to this text. Look at this text. I mean, Paul opens this, this letter, look at it with, a, with this Jewish poem, and he gives praise to God. He says, the, the Father of all things, he has done in and through Jesus. He's given praise to him. He starts out by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I love those words. Now, now, this is an opening, and it was very normal for uh, uh, Jews of that day to begin prayers this way, and they would recite them throughout the day. It's almost as if it was a reminder of who God is, what he's done. They're reminding themselves by re reciting this way, and they're also giving honor and respect to him. Saying, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Paul opens this way, and after he opens, he proceeds then to say, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So right off the bat, we know that Paul is talking about God the Father and all that he's done. And he says, for us, and with this word, us, he, he's talking about believers. And with this being Ephesus, we know that it's a very diverse place. So this probably means Gentiles and non-Jewish people. And there's a mix of Jews in the mix of that. So it's, it's like it's diverse, kind of like Chicago. So he's talking to this diverse group of people. So he's keeping it very simple and plain. Y'all still with me? You still with me in here? All right, we're walking through this thing. Now, now the question becomes, what is Paul talking about? Again, th this letter is very simply written. And, and Paul is pretty straightforward. So there should not be a whole lot of reading in between the lines. I like to say filling in the, the white spaces in the Bible. It's not a whole lot of that. You just got to pay attention to what he's saying. Look at the words in the text. See, the reason I have to say this is because many times when we open up this Bible, when we open up the scriptures, we look at it and we open it up and say, God, I need a word from you today. I need you to speak to me. I, I need it to be, I need that word today. It, it's got to be something for me in here, God. 
How many of y'all are victims of that? How many, y'all can go ahead and put your hands up. Everybody can admit, that's how I read the Bible sometimes. God, I need that. I'm a, my lucky scripture. Let me just flip to the right one today. I'm going to get it. I'm, I know you got a word for me, God. How many of us do that? Be honest. We all do. But hear me, that is completely the wrong way to read the Bible. We read the Bible to get to know God, and through knowing and understanding who he is, we understand who we truly are. See, we're made in his image, thus meaning that if we intimately know whose image we bear, then we know who we are. We know our, our, our identity. Again, it's that whole concept of being rooted in Jesus, being rooted. Y'all can clap. Thanks, Ashley. See, this is why people didn't clap. See, it's too many of us out here that are bearing the wrong image. Can we go there this morning? It's too many of us that are bearing the wrong image. Whether that be what we feel is right, what we want to do, what society tells us we should be. And hear me, family, hear me clearly. All of us in here, all of us were created in the image of God. In his image, to give him glory, to bear his image to this world. We were all created in his image. So again, when we look at this scripture, when we look at the Bible, we have to read it first to see what it says about him. We have to observe the text very closely and say, what does it say about God? And through that, we get to know ourselves. And for that matter, that's why I love Paul's writing. I love his writing because he's very straightforward in it. He's very straightforward. And when you pay attention to these verses, they're rich. I mean, but he's specifically talking about what God has done. Not what we have done, but what God has done and what we receive as a result. So let's pay close attention to the text this morning. In verse 3, see, see, I ain't even, I'm still in verse 3. He, he, y'all got me caught up. I'm going there. He, he, he says, he has blessed us in Christ. Notice that he says in Christ. Now, in those first three chapters, you're going to see this a lot. You're going to see at least some variation of this in Christ, through Christ. You're going to see this. I mean, look at the text today. Let's skim it real quick. Look at this text. Verse 4 says, chose us in Christ. Verse 5, predestined us for adoption to himself through Jesus. Verse 6, blessed us in the beloved. In him, talking about Jesus, we have redemption. Verse 8, which he set forth in Christ. Verse 10, united all things in him. You see how it's written a lot in there? Now the question is why? Why why would Paul write that? Friends, do not miss, don't don't miss this. Paul is known for his run-ons, and this is a big old run-on too. He's known for his crazy grammar, but don't get lost in that. Don't get lost in it. This is why you have to pay attention to the sentence breakdowns. you got to go back to English class. you got to look at the words and find the direct objects and nouns and verbs and all of those things and see who he's talking about because you can easily miss it. Notice again all of the in hymns and the through hymns, etc. Because hear me, what Paul is trying to get at, what he's talking about is the reason God did everything through Christ Jesus for us and us being believers. He wants believers to know, do not miss what I'm about to say, that none of what he has done is just because of who we are. It's not because of who we are or what we've done. He does all of this instead. He he brings redemption. He, He does all that because of who his son is. 
who Jesus is. Don't miss that. That's very important. Because here's the truth. God cannot stand sin. Can't stand the sense of the, wage, the, the wages of sin is death. He, he, he cannot stand the sight of it. So, so our redemption, it did come because he loved us, but it did not come because of who you are. I just messed somebody up in here. You walked in here and thought you were awesome. All that in a bag of chips. You got it all together. And God's like, no, 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 no. Look here. I didn't save you because you're awesome. I saved you because my son is awesome. I saved you because of his goodness, how he's sinless, he's perfect. It's not because of you. See, some of y'all missing it. I got two claps that time. See, let me put it this way. God needed a sinless sacrifice for us to be saved, and the only sinless person ever to live this life, walk through it without sin, is Jesus, God himself in the flesh, the second person of the Trinity, born of the Virgin Mary. See, we all have missed the mark of sinless perfection, being this holy person. We missed that mark. So, so God has to send Jesus, and if we believe, we're saved, we're redeemed. See, what I'm getting at, is, is, and what I'm trying to say is that God went through a lot of trouble to save you and I. He's going through a lot of trouble, and in that, he didn't leave, hear me, don't, he didn't even leave anything up to us. I mean, he did all the work through his son, Jesus Christ. He didn't leave anything up to us. God knew that we couldn't save ourselves. So in knowing that, he he does all the work through Jesus. He does all the work. And if God had not have done it, y'all, we would have never been here. We would have never made it. Marvin Sapp would have never made that song. Some of y'all get that on your way out. I mean, if God hadn't done anything for us, it it, it, it would kind of be like, you getting your, your, your preschooler ready for first day of preschool. And, and you wake up in the morning, you're the parent, you know whatever, all it takes to get them to, to school. You got to pack the lunch, you got to get their clothes together. In my house, you got to do all the hair, all that stuff. You, you, you know all these things to get them ready. First day of preschool, but instead you just woke up and said, nope, I ain't doing nothing today. You, you got this, baby girl. I need you to get up in the morning on time. Then you got to go wash your face, brush your teeth. They don't even do that. You got you to use the bathroom. Then I need you to get the hair brush out and, and brush all the naps out. You got to brush the hair. You got to get it ready. And then you need to go get your breakfast together. Pick out your clothes. Make sure they match and make sure they're clean at that. I mean, and, and then get the right shoes, lace them up, then pack your lunch and take it to school. Then I want you to drive the car and you better not bring it back with any scratches. Family, ain't no way that would happen, right? I mean, I don't know about you, and I love my kids, but there's no way on God's green earth I'm letting them try to get up. Excuse my English, with ain't, ain't no way, though. I'm not letting them get up in the morning and try to get themselves together and out the door. There's no way that that's going to happen. At this age, when they're going to preschool, they're barely potty trained. <laughs> and see, here's the point. Some of y'all walked in here like, I'm the bomb, I'm this and I'm that, God needs me. And here's the thing, we're all like barely potty trained kids when it comes to God. We still wet in the bed. Still wet in the bed. But here's the thing, like a good parent, God says, you know, I'm not going to let you try to figure this out on your own. 
I'm not going to let you try to save yourself. I got you. I'm going to do all the work for you. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to say, my only thing you need to do is be a good child. Know that I'm for you. I'm not against you. I'm doing all the work. I'm for your good. Trust me and believe and follow me. That's all the work. And see, here's the thing. I haven't even got to the good news yet. I mean, I haven't even touched it. There's some wonderful and amazing things that we get to partake in as believers when we believe. I mean, let me run through these verses again. Can I do that with you? I want to run through them very quickly and just look at what we receive now as children of God in Christ Jesus. So let's run through these verses one more time. Back to verse 3. Again, you see the words, blessed us in Christ Jesus. Then he says, with every spiritual blessing. Now, the word spiritual comes from the Greek word pneuma. Everybody say pneuma. Pneuma. It it comes from pneuma, which points to the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. You see how all three of them now are in the Scripture? First person, second person, third person, Holy Spirit. Right here, all in one Scripture. It it, it points to the Trinity, and it points to this third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who indwells believers. So what Paul is saying here is that God has blessed believers through Jesus on earth through the work of the Holy Spirit who comes from heaven which points to the fact that believers have been sealed and there's a blessing that awaits them when they get to heaven. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Believer in here, I need you to listen to me. This world and all the problems and everything that is going on around you, this is not your home. This is not your home. Heaven is. And the Holy Spirit, he's not just the comforter or the person that comes alongside you and walks with you. But for all my cartoon lovers in here, he's kind of like that Warner Brothers stamp on Daffy Duck's bottom. I said button the first service. Let me change it up. You see, he's like that Warner Brothers sticker. But instead of it saying Warner Brothers, it says God's child. Symbolizing you are his. You belong to him. Friends, again, the Holy Spirit, he's not just the comforter who walks alongside you. He's the seal or the stamp of approval that, God, that you're God's and that you will live with him forever and ever. Amen. Y'all need to be amen in that. Y'all just missed that one. I mean, it, we're going to live with him forever if you believe. Let's keep moving. Let's keep moving. See, verse 4 and 5, they can be troublesome for some because now it deals with this It deals with God's sovereignty. It deals with God's sovereignty and his will that some will be saved and some will not. Now, this can be very cumbersome. This can be a very cumbersome topic, and I'm not going to do it justice today, but hear me. The question of who God saves, I need you all to hear me when I say this. The question of who God saves and who he does not is not up to us. It's not up to us or what we feel he should do, nor are we in the right place to, to, to think of God and say he's vindictive and he's malicious for not saving this person. That's not all right. Now, now, does God make some for the purpose of destruction and some for salvation? Look, look, I don't have to answer that question. I mean, Paul wrestles with this and he talks about it in Romans 9. He says, now, how does the clay question the potter? Does the potter not have any right over the clay? Who are we to question God? But what I do know is that God cares about being glorified. He cares about us knowing that he's 
God. And hear me, he cares about reconciling creation to himself. And 2 Peter 3.9 reads this way. Look at it with me. It says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Now, pay attention to this verse because we know in this verse, God's heart, he wants people to repent. He wants people to come to him. But the simple fact is that everybody won't. Hence the word wishing. When you see wishing, God wants everybody to come repent. But on the other side, it infers that everybody's not going to repent and accept Jesus. But with the question of who is going to be saved or not, that's not our battle That's not our battle or wrestle. Only God knows who will be saved or not. And especially for the believer in here, the believer in here, this should not matter. It shouldn't matter because nobody's walking around with an S on their chest signifying saved or soon to be saved. So it doesn't matter how you walk throughout your life. It shouldn't change that. We don't know who's destined for salvation and who's not. And it should not stop us from living our lives, but instead it should make us live more intently, trusting God in what he's already said, which is be my witnesses to the world that needs to know who I am. And hopefully by you living your life, people will come to know Jesus. See, that's what he's called us to do, not to know who's saved and who's not. That's God's job. Ah, but, but, but see... There's the problem. Too many of us think, us we're, think that we're God. I mean, we're putting the hat on and we're like, oh, this feels good. And we're displacing ourselves as God and saying, he should do this and he, he should do that. He should save this person. He, he should do that. And then there's everybody's favor. It's just not fair. And if you haven't been following this scripture, what Paul is really trying to point out and what I'm saying today is that God didn't leave any of that up to us. He didn't leave that up to us. He didn't leave salvation up to us. He alone is the only one who has the power to save. He calls us to be faithful, to love him, to follow him, and to believe. You see, these verses, it makes you wrestle with some hard truths and the fact that all people may not be saved, not necessarily because God doesn't want them to. Don't hear that. But because our hearts are sinful and they're hardened and we're in constant rebellion towards God all the time. And hear me, God knows all of this. He knows all of this. And 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 here's the great truth that we must not miss in this passage that's even greater than anything I just talked about. It is that God, it says that God shows us, talking about believers, in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Which means that God, hear me, he had knowledge. He knew that we would never live up to the standard of holiness and rebel. So he puts a plan in action at the beginning of time to send Jesus to die the death that we're going to need to die. I mean, it's amazing to see how much he loves. Do not miss this. See, this is what we must pay attention to in the scripture. God in his sovereignty and surpassing knowledge said, I'm going to create my children. I'm going to do this, but I know they're going to mess up. So I'm going to make a way out. I'm going to to create a plan 
salvation. I know they're going to mess up. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to send my son, I'm going to come in human form and, as Jesus, and I'm, I'm going to save them. I mean, you see the, the marvelous, you see his grace and you see his love in this passage. Now, see, friends, with that knowledge of knowing his plan and what he did in the beginning, the question of who's going to be saved and who is not isn't something that I'm really concerned with. And you know why? Because I know God's heart is to save. He wants to save. So, so I'm willing to trust and be used, hopefully, to see some come to know him. So let me ask you, are you okay with the fact of not knowing everything? Can you trust him with your life, not knowing what next is coming, what, what's the next step, or, or who he's going to actually have you come in contact with? Do you trust him not knowing these things? See, that's true faith, knowing that God is good and he has you, and you can walk with a certain type of freedom knowing that God is on your side. <clears throat> See, the passage goes on in verse 5 and 6. It says he has predestined us for adoption, adoption to himself as sons and daughters, which goes back to the fact <clears throat> that we have fallen through Adam's him in the garden, what he did in the garden, which separated us from God. But through God's sovereign plan of sending Jesus, when we believe we're adopted back into, into this saving grace and right relationship with him. Amen. Then Paul keeps going. Keep walking with me. And in verse 6, he, he says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which we are blessed in the beloved. Then in verse 7, he says, we have been redeemed or bought with a price through Jesus' death. Family, do not miss all that's happening right here in this passage. God, again, went through a lot of trouble to save you and I. And, and Paul is making us pay attention to that. He's doing all of this through Jesus. Again, there may seem like there's a lot going on right here in this passage because of his wording and his crazy grammar. But, but the, the main thing to take away is what God has done for us through Jesus. That he loved this creation so much that he pre-planned a way back to him before we were even created. Don't miss it. You see, and as Paul ends these... 10 verses, and the band gets ready to come to the stage. In verses 9 through 10, look at these with me. He uses this word mystery. He uses the word mystery, and he says, making known the mystery of his will uh, according to his purpose, which he set forth, forth in Christ. Now, this word mystery, it indicates that there was some, something hidden, Something hidden that needed to be revealed, which causes one to ask, well, what was hidden that needed to be revealed? What's this mystery? Paul answers this in the end of verse 9, flowing into verse 10, which is the point I've been hammering away at all morning, which is that in Christ, before time began, he set forth a plan of redemption, knowing that we would fall, and says, in and through Christ... He would unite all things in heaven and on earth. Family, sometimes I don't think we really understand or realize the magnitude of what Jesus' death meant on the cross. 
I mean, through Christ, he united heaven and earth. It was, the chasm was bridged, and through Jesus, God had made a way back to him. We that believe now get to partake in the riches of heaven when we get there. See, and the funny thing about it is when I read this scripture, and I've been hitting on it already, maybe you haven't realized it, is that God knew that we would fall short. Don't miss that. He knew we were going to mess up. And he still went ahead and created us. I mean, he still gives us a shot. Now, knowing all of this, if I was God, I probably wouldn't have created none of y'all, including myself. There's no way. I mean, in fact, love will make you, it'll make you do some crazy things. I mean, God knew that we would fall. But yet he still creates us, not to dominate us, but in that he gives us choices. I mean, you see them make the choice in the garden to rebel against them. And sadly, to this day, we're still making the choice to rebel against our creator. He has loved us so much to make a way despite us from the beginning of time through Jesus. The question we must answer all of us in here this morning, is do we re- really believe, do we really believe all that has been done through Jesus? Do you believe that, that, that God had pre-planned this, that God was for you, that, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was buried, and he rose from the grave with power in his, in, in his hands? And through believing in him, you can have life. See, God planned that from the beginning. That's how much he loved us. Can you believe enough to stop running your own life and say, Jesus, do with me what you will today. Have your way. You see, when when I look at these first 10 opening verses and all that God has done for me before time even began, I too, like Paul, have to stop and say, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because it's through the Father's love. It's, it's his love displayed through Jesus' sacrifice that any of us are here today. He did it all for his glory and for our good. Will you trust him with your life? Hear me. I'll say it again. See, being rooted in Christ is a great thing. But we also have to understand that being rooted in Jesus as believers was a sovereignly planned out vision from God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.